This is the Dungeon Master's Handbook. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Handbook. I'm Michael Chicago Wiz, and I'm really glad you're here with me. Since this is the first uh, podcast that I'm recording in 2018, Happy New Year! I hope you had a wonderful new year, and I hope this year is filled with lots of great gaming. This episode, we're going to talk about what happens when things don't quite go as I expected in my campaign, uh, when things go off the rails. And this topic came about through a couple of questions that I got in feedback to my podcast, um, which, by the way, thank you very much for posting those. I really appreciate it. I do read them all, and I've gotten a lot of great suggestions on future topics, of which this episode is one of them. So uh, please keep sending in your suggestions. So I'm going to talk about how I dealt with some specific situations in my campaign that... uh, that when things went off the rail. Uh, I'm going to cover when my initial ideas didn't work. I've been talking a lot about how uh, to start a campaign in previous episodes. I'm going to talk about what happened when those things didn't work right. I'm going to talk about trouble players. We all as DMs and GMs have them. What were my situations and what did I do about it? Uh, What happens when real life interferes? I took a two-year break from campaigning. Uh, when I make a mistake in my rulings, it happens, believe it or not, shh, don't tell your players, but we do make mistakes, I make mistakes, and how do I rectify that? And finally, dealing with the dreaded total party kill, also known by the acronym TPK. I've had that happen twice in my campaign too, and what did I do about it? All right, my initial ideas didn't work. So when I started off the campaign, I had fallen in love with a particular approach that a blogger was espousing on their blog about how to run a D&D campaign. They were ultra-realistic, um, down to not only just calculating things like weather and prices and economy, but also to the point of how would the real world react if a bunch of heavily armed players walked into town and that sort of thing. Um, It can make for a very grim world. And because my world was a post-apocalyptic fantasy world, I thought, hey, this sounds great. And so I trained it. Uh, You know, it was, I think the phrase is grimdark. Uh, It was grinding away. My players didn't make second level for quite a while on this. Uh, They were scraping by for coppers and things like that. And it ended up not being very much fun to run either, believe it or not. Um, I didn't enjoy seeing the players in that kind of a world. Uh, It took me a little while to figure this out because they were... God bless them, uh, struggling along as they could. But um, I would say after a couple of years, I started really lightening the tone. And when I went on my hiatus and came back and rebooted the campaign, that whole concept was out. That's not to say I'm not realistic. That's not to say that if the players walk into town heavily armed, they're not going to get some stares and, you know, possibly be questioned by the town guard. 
but it's nowhere near as grinding as uh, what I started out to. My initial idea didn't work. Um, another thing, taxes. I had the grand idea that if the players came back into town toting a lot of treasure, well, the guards were going to enforce a tax right there on it. Uh, that didn't end up working so well. Um, first off, the shenanigans that the players went through to try and hide their loot from the town guards was kind of amusing. But in reality, here again, it, it was just another obstacle that didn't really need to be there. The way I solved that was I just mentally deduct taxes from the awards that I give them, um, especially to those players that uh, are living in their own uh, homes and their property, and they're heavily involved in local politics, um, or they're with certain organizations. I just mentally deduct that and move on. The players don't mind, I don't mind, and uh, it all works out very well. Um... I also started off with NPCs that were, how shall we say, they weren't very likable. Um, they had serious flaws to them. And rather than it being something that I thought that the players were going to enjoy, they actually didn't like it. Um, they, they thought, I'll give you an example, um, the local lords are military leaders in my campaign world. They're called marshals. And I started off with the marshal of the home base of Inonia, where my players uh, base out of. He was very flawed, uh, weak, confused, uh, unsure of himself, and the players didn't really have a good relationship with him. What was neat was, over the course of the campaign, as I grew to not like playing the NPC this way, and I made him actually someone worthy of respect. Uh, he had some successes, found his stride, and now he's someone that the players feel like they can trust, someone that they like to work with, um, and it's a much more rewarding game for everyone involved. Um, so here again, an idea that I thought was neat but didn't work out. I do give the NPCs personality traits, and some of them are annoying, and maybe some of them are, are not you know less than ideal, but I don't necessarily go for the ultra-realistic, you know, everybody's got a flaw and everybody's going to, uh, you know, uh, have a secret agenda or something like that. I, I, I try to make the NPCs that the, people's, that the players work with people that they would like to work with. Um, and, and here again, it, it seems to be a much more rewarding game. It's not to say there aren't surprises. Um, I had one NPC that the players had been working with, they actually owed a debt to, and uh, this NPC set the players up, uh, almost had them take a fall for the attempted assassination of a, of a, a duke of the uh, local realm, and um, ended up, players didn't end up liking him so much anymore, but that was by design, so that, that ended up working okay. Um... Another um, thing that happened recently wasn't so much of an idea that didn't work, but it was something that came out during the play. Uh, my PCs were ambushed by a bunch of very wily goblins. Uh, there was 20 goblins versus about 10 or so PCs. 
the goblins were using the terrain to their advantage. They're very cunning. They were very uh, um, obnoxious. They were bombarding the PCs with arrows. And so I'm trying to do 20 rolls of the dice as quickly as I can to figure out who got hit, where the, you know, who took damage, and so on. And what was neat about that was after the game, one of my players said, hey, you know, can we change this? You know, um, because they understand that now that they've gotten stronger, the monsters are changing their tactics. They're not necessarily engaging the PCs uh, up front, but they are ambushing them, they're skirmishing them, they're uh, making their lives miserable, which goblins and monsters tend to do. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but it was how do we make this go quicker? Um, and, and we had a very nice discussion on our campaign email list where um, we batted around some ideas. I uh, proposed a solution and everybody likes it. And it, re it abstracts the problem a little bit more to uh, where hit points are going to be uh, reduced much like you know your rations are reduced. Um, but it allows them to have to deal with the problem, maybe come up with a solution to it, and move on without waiting for 20 rolls every round. So here again, some ideas. Uh, you'll see a theme. I was flexible. I would alter my approach when it was something that was interfering with the campaign that I didn't enjoy, um, that uh, you know the players didn't enjoy. And that's not uncommon for any version of D&D whether it's old school, new school, whatever school, good DMs will modify their approach that's consistent to how they like to run the campaign. I'm not going to change my ways if it's something that I truly enjoy. Um, but I have a group of players that enjoy D&D very similar to how I do. Um, we've been playing for almost nine years now. So it works out really well. All right, moving on. Trouble players. I've only had this happen twice, where I had um, extremely rude players who brought nothing but trouble to the table. Um, early on in my first year of the campaign, I had advertised at a local gaming store, Games Plus in Mount Prospect, Chicagoland area. Woohoo! Love that place. Um, maybe they'll sponsor me now. Um, <laughs> but I had advertised the game there, so I was getting people that I didn't know. And this, these two gentlemen uh, joined the campaign. And right away, one of the players was fairly obnoxious. Now, we were at first taking it of, this is in context to his character. But he began to grow somewhat abusive in nature over a couple of games to um, a couple of... Um, uh, women players. I didn't like that. I didn't appreciate that. Um, it was, I don't like conflict and confrontation, but I called him on the phone and told him he wasn't uh, invited back anymore. Listened to a 30 second tirade um, from him to me about my shitty game. And he hung up on me and I was pretty happy about the whole deal. Um, <laughs> I had another player who um, he and his partner joined and um, they were obnoxious more of the rules lawyering. Um, in a future podcast, I'm going to talk about my AD&D homebrew system, which I call AD&D Lite. Um, he wanted to play a game where it was strictly the rules as written, no deviation. 
And here again, it was a conversation of, you know, I just don't think this is the game for you to play. And uh, he agreed, actually. It was it was a, a nice exchange. And um, he went on his way. And I hope he found the game that uh, works for him. So really, uh, with trouble players, I did not let them disrupt the campaign. Once I identified the problem or someone complained to me about it, had discussions with everybody, um, had discussions with the players and uh, did what was right for the campaign as a whole. It's not easy, and take it from someone that uh, does not like confrontation, I don't like having to remove trouble players, but at the same time, I'm not going to ruin all of my work and all of the time that the players have put into playing their characters um, just because someone wants to be obnoxious. All right, so uh, the next interesting thing that happened that didn't go quite right was a hiatus. Um, I took a... two to three year break from my campaign. Um, We had uh, an opportunity come up. My uh, wife and I, you'll hear me refer to her as the princess wife. Um, And we took it. I'd been getting kind of burnt out on the campaign. The players were kind of, you know, you go through those ups and lows. And I put the campaign on hold. Now, I got to admit, I missed it. And when I decided to start it back up, it was really kind of scary because I had to go back to these people and say, hey, would you like to play again? Um, I lost about 25 to 30% of the group. Um, They had moved on with life or they had flat out moved um, or they weren't interested anymore. But two thirds of them came back and we've been rocking and rolling now for the past uh, three years Uh, since the big break, and it's been really wonderful. But sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes life is going to interrupt. Sometimes you're going to have to do things. I let everyone know. I put it on hold, um, and then I picked it back up essentially from where I started. This did give me a chance to reboot the campaign in such a way that I wanted, though. Um, It allowed me to... um, change things. I changed it from the grimdark to more of a uh, fantasy movie kind of thing. Not where the players are automatic heroes, but it wasn't so, you know, grindy. Um, I changed a little bit of that and and how I uh, approached the scenarios. Um, I incorporated uh, a little bit more of the XP rewards so that they would move up a little bit quicker. Um, I talked about that a couple episodes ago about how I award XP. Um, what's nice here, because we only meet once a month, is they're not seeing this plotting. Because they only meet once a month, they're seeing more um, more advancement. Um, next issue I ran into. I've made mistakes in my rulings. Um, it hasn't happened too often, and primarily it's because I don't remember every single rule in the book. Um, sometimes I've had to, I've made a ruling right there on the table. Well, we're going to do this, or I'm going to roll a die, and one through three, it happens this way. Four through six, happens, you know, something like that. Um, or I'll rule in favor for the characters. Um, but I do go back and check things later on. Now, I've never had a ruling that would that's resulted in a player death. Um, I've been very careful about those, but if it ever did happen, I would immediately reverse the mistake. Um, 
and and I wouldn't try to incorporate it back into the story. It would just be a, you know what, you're alive, you're back with everybody, we're just going to play on as if it never happened. Um, if I find out that I did make a mistake, I don't try to hide it. I do let the players know. Um, we have an email list where I will discuss things with them, or I'll discuss it with them at the table. Um, some, you know, when we take a break, I'll quick grab the rule book and look something up and say, mm, okay, you know, come back and say, hey, you know, that should have gone this way. So no, no to myself and ourselves. Next time we'll do it, you know, uh, differently. Um, and as I mentioned before, when we were rolling a lot of dice and then I changed my approach to how I, I do something, um, that was always player input. I really encourage the players to give me their ideas um, and give me their thoughts because this is their game too. They're playing it, I'm playing it, and if we can come to an agreement on something that works to make the game flow better, I'm all for that. Uh, and then finally, the last thing that didn't quite go right was total party kills. So, um, I had a troll under a bridge. But this was no ordinary troll. This was a... Uh, I, I took a troll and an ogre mage, took the best of both, and squished them together. So you had a regenerating creature who could only be killed by fire or acid that knew spells. Um, my players quickly grew to hate him. They would go out of their way to avoid this bridge. This bridge was on the main road between them and Adventure. But they got to third level and they got cocky. They said, hey, we're going to take out the troll mage. So they went marching up. The troll mage became invisible. Uh, he put half the party to sleep. He charmed the ranger. Um... But by good fortune, the other players shot arrows at him, and he got wounded. So he ran off in the direction of town. Now, the players didn't really think about this. They instead wanted the fat loot, which was a bunch of huge jars full of coins that they dug up and started hauling back, moving roughly 30 feet around. Do the math. They're moving very slowly which allowed the troll mage to regenerate all of his hit points. He watched them march by from behind a tree because they weren't really looking for him. He stepped out behind him, them and threw Cone of Cold at them. The only thing that saved this from a total party kill was that the last two people, the last person was out of the range of the Cone. It ended. And the second to last person, I ruled that the uh, they got a saving throw, which they made, and they got only half damage, and they survived. Um, but they were knocked to zero, not to negative, past negative ten. The troll came up to the survivor, who was charmed. The troll knew it. The troll made him carry all of the, the coins back, and said, don't bother me again, and sent him on his way. Because the troll figured, if word of this gets out, nobody will bother me, which is what I wanted. Thus, the legend of the troll mage happened. But I had almost every player in my campaign dead. Um, 
they rolled 3d6. We talked about it. We talked about what happened. We, we, we did a postmortem on the scenario. Why did you all almost die? Well, this is what happened. I played this very logically. I do play my monsters ruthlessly. And uh, while they didn't like it, they understood and uh, they went on about their business. A second group tried this a little later. Uh, full of first levels and a couple of third levels, plus a bunch of um, men-at-arms that they hired. And the men-at-arms ran off, and, well, everybody in that party was killed. And once again, we dissected the issue. So the Troll Mage has some legend in my campaign. He's no longer at the bridge. Um, Story-wise, he was summoned to war by the orcs and uh, goblins, and so the players are very happy that they don't have to deal with him. But he might be back. All right, so that's about it for the things I wanted to talk about, about when things don't go quite right in my campaign. What do you think? Uh, what hasn't gone right in your campaign, and what have you done to fix it? I love reading these stories, so if you want to hop over to my blog, uh, dungeonmastershandbook.wordpress.com and leave me a comment and tell me what your uh, big thing that didn't go right in your campaign. Or I do have a Facebook group. Um, if you go to Facebook and search for Dungeon Master's Handbook, there is a page with my podcast and then there's a related group. And I'd love to hear your stories as well because I will learn from you. Um, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. This uh, episode was uh, generated by a comment, so please keep those comments coming. Please uh, subscribe. You can subscribe to my podcast via iTunes, on SoundCloud through the RSS feed, on Google Play, uh, Blueberry, or you can watch the Dungeon Master's Handbook blog on WordPress and be notified when new episodes come out. All right, so this is Michael signing off. We'll see you next time. Game on.